Centuries ago, the prophet Jeremiah looked at the condition of the people of God and of the world around him, and his heart was grieved and broken. He wanted to give up, he wanted to quit. He just wanted to, just to say to himself, there's no hope, but there was something inside of him. He called it a fire shut up in his bones, and that fire caused him to stand up and preach the gospel, to preach it with truth. And we are calling on pastors today to be united for spiritual awakening and revival and a move of God across our land today. That's why World Challenge, myself and others are doing these pastors' conferences, two national pastors' conferences next year, to call pastors to put that fire back in their soul, that fresh wind, that fresh fire, that fresh passion. We'll be in San Diego in February and in New York City at Times Square Church. My dear friends, Pastor Carter Conlon, Pastor Tim Delina, Claude Oud, Ron Brown, R.T. Kendall, John Bailey, and many others will be teaching, preaching with great worship leaders. So join us in February or in August, San Diego, New York. Preaching is, and actually what the Bible calls the foolishness of preaching, because it's a pretty crazy thing, the idea that we will get up and speak and it'll actually impact lives. Well, that's God, That's what God has chosen. He's chosen through the foolishness of preaching. And, and uh, so I'm passionate about preaching. Welcome to the Gary Wilson Podcast. We have with us today, Claude Oud, one of the great preachers in the world today, particularly among the French-speaking world, but he speaks English. You're gonna enjoy this podcast. We're gonna be talking about preaching with passion, but I don't want you to check out if you're not a preacher because even if you're not a preacher, if you're a Christian, you listen to preaching. Even the Word of God itself has sermons contained within it, and so we wanted to understand what's in God's heart when it comes to preaching. We also want to make sure that we're sitting under good preaching. We also wanna make sure we're praying for our preachers and our pastors. We're also wanting to believe God for a revival. Part of the Gary Wilson podcast, that you're hearing right now is is a part of a new series called Fire in Our Bones. We're believing that God is going to raise up a whole generation of men and women of God who are going to preach the Word of God with passion and truth. Today's episode, we'll be talking about preaching with passion with Pastor Claudude. Hello, everybody. Uh, Gary Wilkerson here with, uh, with Pastor Claude Oud from Nouvelle V in Montreal. You probably already heard his sermon he did on preaching with passion. If not, I want to make sure you go to our World Challenge website and uh, download this series on uh, preaching for preachers uh, or preachers who are teaching us on preaching and preaching with power. And so Claude did his sermon, and I've listened to it twice now, and just really was blessed and inspired and motivated and, and taught some new things too. And so what we want to do today is kind of get behind the curtain. Um, one of my great pleasures has been, I call it the green room experience. You know, when you're with you know, Claude, you know this, you're traveling with other um, uh, teachers, evangelists, and you know, you hear them preach and you love that. But when you get in that green room and you have maybe a half hour with them and you ask them two or three questions, you know, you're getting, you're pulling back the curtain and getting to know the person. Second way I might describe this would be instead of me sitting here in front of the screen, you know, if a young preacher was sitting here in front of in your office right now, or two or three of them, and they were asking you some of these questions. So uh, this is a great opportunity. Claude, thank you uh, for taking time. I know you're busy. You got a lot of recording going on today, later on. So really, really honored to have you here with us today. So happy to do it, Gary. It's a privilege, the joy to uh, share with you. And uh, it's a joy just to see you. You know, in your, in the, in the, in your message on preaching with passion, you, you had mentioned you're traveling to, you know, I think it was 50-something different nations. We've been probably more than 20 or so 25 together yeah. and yeah, absolutely um, you know you showed those pictures of us together in, in congo and uh, uh that, you know it's great great times we've had together and uh, just you know your preaching is, is truly passionate and powerful and and if and if 
that could rub off on some of us listening. We'd be, we'd be more than honored today. Um, in the notes, that, those of you that are listening today, um, if you want to know more about Claude and his ministry, you'll see those in the notes, uh, his website, uh, some of his books that are available. Uh, the, the, and uh, so I'd love for you to get more connected with his ministry. Instead of taking a lot of time to actually introduce you and all of your accolades, the great things you've done, uh, we'll let the people read those in the notes. And we'll get right into our questions here yeah. now. Um, your Bible school, um, what's it? T- tell us the name of your Bible school there. In- well, it's, it's French World Bible Institute. So okay. it's uh, training French uh, men and women for uh, effective ministry uh, in the 21st century. Right. And you have said there's, uh, in your talk, you mentioned there was over a thousand graduates already, huh? Yeah, we have a thousand graduates. We have the two to 300 students per year, but over a thousand graduates in full-time ministry uh, in French-speaking countries around the world. Yeah. And you have taught, or you do teach still, a, a class on on a, a preaching, homiletics? Yes, I do. I teach two um, 39-hour cor- uh, courses. Uh, the Bible school is accredited for the bachelor's and the master's program. So I actually teach two courses, 39 hours each, uh, on communication. Wow. I mean, that, to me, that shows your heart for and devotion to raising up preachers and pastors and leaders, because... Uh, somebody who has a church, you know, 6,000 or so people, and you have a whole mercy ministry that reaches tens of thousands every week, and you travel around the world preaching, you, you don't necessarily, you, you probably could delegate the, those classes to one of your professors. The fact that you uh, preach that probably says something about your, your passion for preaching. Um, I didn't put this in my notes when I sent you yesterday, but can you just sort of, let me just back up a little bit. Like, do you, why, why do you feel so passionate about preaching? Like, is it, you feel it's like a call of God or is it just, you see the results or what would be your motivating factor for uh, that, 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 you know, why would you want to teach on preaching when you didn't, you don't have to? Well, I, uh, it's a good question because we, I'm the president of the board of the school and we do have many teachers and, but I've always wanted to continue teaching that and it is demanding. So I teach every semester. So it's very demanding. I think it, it, it I believe it's the most, Multi, kingdom multiplying, um, one of the most kingdom multiplying things I do. Uh, no matter how how many people uh, and how many churches we plant locally, or now those graduates are really reaching the world. And um, preaching is, and actually what the Bible calls the foolishness mm-hmm. of preaching, because it's a pretty crazy thing, the idea that we will get up and speak and it'll actually impact lives. Well, that's God, That's what God has chosen. He's chosen through the foolishness of preaching. And, and uh, so I'm passionate about preaching because I believe that everything else in ministry, I also teach pastoral theology. And I'm also a president of, of a movement of 150 churches and ministries. I believe everything else hinges on communication. Uh, there's so many other uh, aspects of pastoral theology. I teach a 39-hour course on pastoral, pastoral theology. But I believe that preaching is the life center of everything else, that everything else, that actually you could have great everything else, but eventually, even today, in modern in all the modern means of doing evangelism and web and everything else, uh, eventually somebody's going to have to get up and speak. And, and that's, where, that's where the battle takes place. That's where the victories, that's where the word 
uh, will, will can change a heart, the conviction, change a heart. And if you change a, a heart, salvation, uh, change a heart, there's freedom, there's a family that can be changed, there's, there's a society that can be changed. So I, I'm passionate about preaching because I believe everything else hinges on it. I also believe that I'm called to preach. And God, uh, like Jeremiah said, there's many times where I said, not speaking anymore, but there's a fire. There's a fire in my bones. There's a so that's a it's part of my calling, but I would I'm passionate about it because I believe it is the source and it is uh the one thing that everything else in ministry and in the kingdom depends on. Wow. Um out of those thousand plus graduates and the th- two or three hundred that are being trained now, you know, you send them out and they're uh, and they're preaching uh, and they're looking back on their time sitting under your teaching there, if, if you could hear from them and they, and then tell you, uh, Pastor Claude, the one thing that really struck, stuck with me, the one thing that really changed me, that motivated me from that class, if there's only one thing you could wish they would be, have, I know that you want them to have more than that, but if, but if you could put it, pinpoint it to one thing, what would you want to see them have? Well, I, I, I would say what I'd said to them at the beginning and at the very last session of any class I teach uh, in communication, I stand there with great, great uh, emotion and tell them that it is a full-time, it's a life quest and pursuit. That preaching, it's a life, it's a life quest. The, the, the insanity is to think, okay, I'm finished with my Bible school or I, I've preached 10 years, I've preached 20 years, so now, now I know I'm set. Uh, I know, uh, and uh, so, so that, that was the one thing that I'm trying that I'm trying to uh, to incarnate myself to. Uh, it's a life pursuit of of holding on to what's eternal, but everything else that's evolving. What what's what's eternal, but what must evolve? What's what's the substance? That's scripture. That's substance. But what in style may evolve? Yeah, and and the so you had the pure truth. Um, that's renewable. That's pure truth. But personal and practical theology, all of us will, will evolve uh, with, with, with the years. And so you want to grow in depth, but you want to grow in diversity. Uh, so very easy for us. Naturally, spiritually, have certain areas of scriptures that really interest us. Very easy for us after some years to almost uh, stay in that lane. But to how can I grow into teaching the whole counsel of God? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and teaching the, the full gospel, how to, uh, how to evangelize, how to edify, how to make disciples in 2020. Uh, I started in ministry 37 years ago. The mandate is the same, but the population, the ethos, uh, engaging people in preaching, empathy in preaching, evangelizing, edifying, that's, those are constants. But the ethos of our society changes. So, so the, the whole idea, to, Paul addressing young Timothy in one of my most uh, challenging verse for me as a preacher when Paul speaks to Timothy to, to young Timothy in first Timothy 4 I prepared that verse uh, <laughs> it's a faithful saying worthy of all acceptance he says for this for this end we both labor and suffer because we trust in the living God so to me preaching is laboring it's the work and it's doing the work through suffering because while we're preaching to others that whole time all every scene of our lives there's there's seasons and there's areas of our lives under deep suffering while we're teaching others, but we labor, we suffer and we trust, we trust God. And then he gets to uh, young Timothy about all these words, 
Uh, give attention to your reading and exhortation. Do not neglect. Meditate. May your progress be evident before all. Take heed to yourself. That's my testimony. And to your teaching. That's my doctrine. So there's a sense uh, of, of, of Paul to young Timothy. Uh, may your progress be evident before all. So that's an incredible challenge that I, for myself too. Am I, am I still uh, growing in my preaching? Am I progressing? Are, are, are my progress evident to God and to men? So to me, it's not something about that, that, that may your progress be known. Take heed to yourself. Give, give yourself wholeheartedly. Is not only for a teacher to young, young pastors, but it's for us in every season mm. of our lives and ministry. I'm, I'm, I'm seeking to grow in my preaching and in my communication uh, as I am in my, my fourth decade of preaching. Wow. I love that. The growth and progress. That's uh, just to kind of sum up what you said. You would, you would, the thing you'd want to make sure that they knew would be that, that they keep growing no matter what stage they're in. And, and, you know, we've certainly seen that in each other's preaching. You know, we've, we've, we've seen, we've known each other for probably 20 plus years and, you know, we've seen new things come into our, preaching style or preaching our heart or message, uh, not, not that we're changing the gospel, but just to get growing in it ourselves, our theology. And that's, that's why you're teaching theology and, and yeah. doctrine as well. Uh, a couple of questions come to mind that I didn't put on the notes that I sent you in advance, but if you were to, uh, you know, uh, I don't want you to, I don't want to throw any of your students under the bus, but if you were sitting in their churches and you heard them preach, what one thing would most, irk you like oh ah, i wish they weren't doing that is there one thing uh that that in preaching you just sort of would it be the opposite of like you just said progress is the thing you'd most want them to have would it be uh well, that, progressing or is there anything else no no i um I, a lot of things hurt me <laughs> but i would say that cliches hurt hurt me okay <laughs> cliches hurt me and i'm i'm always um i'm always surprised that uh, cliches is not a a question of age. You can have some young guys, and they're already just just repeating and things that are so that seem so simplistic. And uh, the the, uh, the I love the idea of uh, be a voice and not just an echo. And and the there's an awful lot of cliches in Christian preaching that a don't relate. Uh, when most unsafe people can't even relate to what we're saying. It's a whole lingo that they don't even know anything about. But but also many that are just un, not true. Uh, so I, let me give you an example. This is recent. Uh, this recent, um, probably got to get some emails. But <laughs> I, I'm reading from one of my sons in the faith who's, who's pastoring uh, somewhere in the world. I'm not going to say where. Uh, in, a French, in a French nation. And he says something like, um, if you, if you want to know God, uh, you, don't need, you don't need to read books. And I didn't get this from a book type thing. Uh, I, you don't need to read books, you know, and, and you don't need to listen listening to, to pre preaching series. Just get alone with the, mm -hmm. the, the funny part is, though, he writes books. So, so mm -hmm. why are you? So, so I've known preachers that were saying, I didn't get, get this from a book, but, but they would spend hundreds of thousands of dollars in promoting their books. So we, shouldn't we not read your books? And, and do, I, do, do I not want, do I not, and also in their preaching, quote, great, 
great man of God from the past, which is fantastic. But so to me, that's a cliche. Uh, if you are only getting your sermons from watching other people's sermons, that's off. If you if you're just getting it from books, or if you just uh, but but the idea that um, the 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 idea that you can't get blessed or refreshed we we stand here because others have preceded us and we are blessed by what they wrote so we study and we pray so that's the kind of thing to me there are cliches that 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 irks me and and to and and for me also if i was to see one of my students the lack of preparation if he's not prepared, if he didn't take this seriously, if he, uh, that would be very, very hurtful to me. Uh, I, I, t there's nothing more noble. There's nothing more important. There's nothing more. There's nothing that that is eternal as preaching the gospel. So whether there's 20 people in front of you or whether there's, there's 10,000, as we experienced 10,000 pastors in, in, uh, in Africa, uh, I preach over a thousand times to 50 people or less in my early years. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you open the book and you have people in front of you, uh, you, they deserve for you to have prepared, to have prepared a word and to come and passionately delivers it. So that would be uh, cliches, lack, uh, lack of preparation, whether they be, be spiritual or, or just in their own and the whole preparation uh, of the message or, or the, um, the sense of arrogance, the sense that I've arrived somewhere. Um, I, Paul did not, did not only say to young Timothy, let your progress be evident. You must continue to grow. He says in the last season of his life, not that I've obtained anything, not that I've mastered anything. And, and most of us will look at Paul and say, there's a few things you seem to have mastered. He says, no, no, not that I've mastered anything, but leaving those things behind, I push forward. I'm, keep, I'm pushing forward towards the, the high calling. So, so those, those will be some things that, uh, that, that I would, uh, I would challenge them for sure. Yeah, and take them I, out for lunch, buy them lunch, but I challenge them on that. Yeah, no, that, that's really helpful. You know, I think sometimes if we can uh, not only do, do what we do well, but eliminate some of the things we are, are doing that distracts from, from, you know, I, I was reading from first Corinthians and Paul says, uh, you know, uh, that, that, uh, you know, the, but he's speaking about the cross of Christ and he says, Let, unless, Less to be emptied of its power, and I thought, how do you? How in the world do you empty the cross of its power? Uh, you know, and some of those things you're talking about are, actually that's, can do that. You know, yeah, you, that's you an actually, amazing thought. If, that's if an amazing with, thought. If you're going with arrogance, that's going to empty the cross of the power. Or if you're using cliches that have no real, it's not a word from God. That's yeah. That's, so that's good. Thank you, Claude. I, I love that. Well, that actually, thank you. That's that's very. I'm. I wrote a note down. That's mm -hmm. that's an amazing. That would be to me a great leadership podcast. Okay. <laughs> uh, how can we how can we empty the cross of its power that is that's powerful that's very very i think that, that, that's something to be dug and as you know since i'm doing all my stuff in french i can steal from you like crazy and, and, and you never even know i'm going to be using this uh the uh how do you empty a cross of its power that's really good uh, thanks Glenn. Uh, i feel i feel better now speaking speaking of that it, it kind of leads me into the next word because uh, you used uh you, you mentioned preparation, you know, not being prepared, but you were obviously prepared even for the, you know, you have so many years of experience preaching. You, you probably could have just got up there and just told us some tidbits about your experience, but you actually, I could tell by your talk, you were very well prepared. You know, you had notes, you had uh, some, some uh, sermon outlines that you put on the video screen and you gave us four, you know, several times you gave us different elements, but, but I want to talk for, uh, for about two of 
the four elements that you had four letter, four words with the letter C. One of them was confidence. One was confrontational. Um, talk to us a little bit about uh, confidence. What do, what do you mean by that? And, and um, what's the difference between confidence and maybe, um, you know, that, that sense of, that you said, just the, the arrogance. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I love that question because I, I don't want to be misunderstood on that. The, um, uh, in my case, um, it's confidence in spite of being um, permanently feeling inadequate. So it, it's not a confidence in myself or in, uh, I'm actually, to me, um, it's a strange combination, but I'm, I'm never confident going up to preach anywhere. And I'm never, certainly never happy or, 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 or satisfied after it. Um, there's a, I really, people think I'm exaggerating, but I, I'm trying to, but I, I really sincerely feel a terror in preaching to me. Preaching never got easier. Hmm. It's, it never got easy. It's never the, the sense of it. Uh, I remember, uh, in one of my classes, uh, in the second, the second semester, they, they actually preach in class. And one of the, one of my students who's now pastoring one of the largest churches in France and fantastic growing church and this was his first 10 minute and i i they were in front of the class and i i i give a, an evaluation after and i use what happened to, as a springboard to teach on everybody we all learn together but he had a 10 minute message to preach and just before he got up he says excuse me and he went out and he actually vomited in a, in a garbage can you know and he came back sorry 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 and he preached this thing and after he said i'm so sorry i apologize i said well Actually, I'm more worried about the one who's not vomiting, and that this might be a bit much for, for yeah. some. But <laughs> my, idea, I'm more worried about the one who doesn't take it seriously. So uh, for me, uh, my 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 confidence confidence is is not in, doesn't mean I'm I'm coming in light. No, it's it's a confidence uh, that uh, my confidence is built is based on the fact that it's the preaching is the means God has chosen. He's chosen this. The foolishness of preaching to bring uh, salvation. Uh, I believe that confidence is also uh, in the fact that, um, I mean, what an expression Paul used when he's speaking of, uh, of that confidence and God has chosen preaching, 2 Corinthians 4. He says, foolishness of preaching, um, we carry this eternal treasure in earthen vessels. Mm-hmm. Well, what a picture, because we know that the earthen vessels he talked about was actually the pots that they would use in the homes as toilets. As, so you can't get any more base than that. So he's saying this amazing treasure is going through some mighty and perfect vessels. So I'm, I'm the most earthen of all earthen vessels. But my confidence is I do carry the eternal treasure. I have something eternal. I have some, and, and God has chosen this means. Um, so that those are source of, of confidence uh, uh, for me. I believe, um, I believe that in, I would say the, the most, in personal integrity is a source of confidence, not perfection. All of us, mm-hmm. it's not all of us are just hidden in Christ, and we we. But I, I there is a there is a, a sense of uh, I love when. Uh, Jesus said, the, Satan had nothing in me. And then he met a man and he says, there was no guile in him. So the idea of, I'm going to say in the simplest way, when I'm praying for my uh, message and praying through it and preparing it, if I'm in peace in my relationship with God because of no hidden sins and, and conducts, so I believe that hidden sins is an incredible confidence thief. Uh, there's something interesting uh, that always arrested me in Psalm 51 when, when, when David, after... 
after adultery and he's on kneeling on the palace steps and he says, creating me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me. And he says, then I will teach transgressors your ways and they, they I bring, I'll bring people to be converted unto you. They, he, he in, in his sin, he was robbed of his confidence to speak. Uh, so I believe, and I'm told, I'm absolutely imperfect, but in the a sense of I'm coming in with this word, I'm just an earthen vessel, but my heart is right, my conduct is right before God. I think that's, that's a, a confidence, uh, the confidence builder. Um, the idea also, we, we talked about um, the idea of confidence and also the idea of confrontation, the confidence to to confront, to, to, to be confrontational. And, and, and for me, confrontational preaching is not condemning preaching. It's certainly not done. It, it's done with tears. It's not a uh, arrogance or hardness or legalism or I'm confronting for the sake of conf confronting. But, but when we look in scripture, I think it is pretty evident from the prophets from Elijah choosing today whom you're going to serve and from the prophets to John the Baptist, to, to Jesus, to, um, Peter at Pentecost uh, to Paul and James and John's, the, their preaching was calling for a decision, mm -hmm. was confronting people, whatever the topic, was confronting them, not only on salvation, I'm speaking on generosity or forgiveness or whatever the subject, I'm going to take you to a decision. I'm going to confront you with the word of God, the mirror for a decision. And I think any, I think most men of God and women of God, we know this, so, so I, I meditate on the fact that um, where does that confidence to confront, um, where is it lost and, and, how, and, and where, where can I renew it? So I believe that the confidence to confront uh, in my devotional life, in my own, I think s some, some pastors with so much in their lives, they're running around all week so much and there's so little time to just stop and root themselves in, in, uh, in the word they're about to bring. So that's, um, that's a confidence uh, uh, thief. Um, I think a secret is practicing what I preach where nobody, in realms that no one sees gives us confidence to, if I'm preaching on generosity and tithing offerings, generosity, but in the secret place, I'm not myself a generous man, my wife and I, with our own resources, I think there's an authority, there's a confronting that's lacking. Obviously, if I'm in sin myself, the confronting of sin of others, if I lie, how do I confront lie? If, I, if I'm jealous and, and full of bitterness, how do I preach with authority and forgiveness? So I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing confidence builder to what I'm, what I'm preaching I have I'm practicing and experiencing the fruit in my own lives. So I'm, I preach on generosity and on extravagant giving very passionately. And I believe God puts an authority on it because this is something I I've been practicing and nobody sees or how, how much for 35 years. Yeah. So, so there's that sense of, I think that's a great uh, confidence uh, build, uh, builder. The, the, um, the continual refusal of the fear of man. I think the fear to confront uh, is rooted in oftentimes I want to be liked. I want to be accepted. I, I, I'm in competition. I want to have crowds. I don't want to lose people. I, and now today is how many likes I'm going to have on Facebook, how many followers, who, who, how many downloads uh, on my messages. Uh, and I know it's an older concept, but the idea of 
um, the audience of one. I, if I can come out of this message with God was pleased with the way I did this, mm-hmm. I believe it's a confidence builder. I believe that, that, that helps us to, to preach uh, with, uh, with confidence. My, my active awareness of the perils of jealousy and of comparing myself and of trying to, where am I on the totem there? Where am I in the, uh, as a preacher and, and, and where am I going and, and how many people are watching me or, uh, and, and a deep, a deep sense. I'll tell you one last one for me for confidence, mm-hmm. a deep sense of God loving the people that I'm trying to reach so much more than I do. Yeah. That I'm only an instrument, but he wants their salvation. He wants their transformation. He wants their lives to be conformed to him. He, he through me, if I can just be a channel of him, I'm confident because no matter how much I want this to be, to, for, for God, to, uh, for the people to be transformed, I, I'm overwhelmed by his grace, his love, his, his own passion. And I'm confident that I, if I just, can just be a channel uh, of, of him, of his heart, well, then he'll do the work in people's lives. So that's just sources of confidence. Yeah, that, I think that will help build a holy confidence in us. From what, if, if we take note of what you just said, that, that will really build a, a not, not a fleshly human confidence, but a godly confidence. And I, I was just in First uh, Thessalonians a bit this morning, and as you were talking, it's like, oh, I'm interesting that the Lord had me read that this morning because it seems to be echoing what you just said where Paul says, in First Thessalonians 1, 5, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and the Holy Spirit and full conviction. So there's that passion you're talking about. Uh, and then um, I just did a little word study on this, and there's a period after conviction, but they say in the, in the original that, that it was actually one sentence. And mm-hmm. so full conviction, with full conviction, you know what kind of man we proved to be. And, and the idea there could be, um, the conviction was within the, pre- they were preaching where it brought, conviction to men, but it was also could be that they were, they, they had the, 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 the audience had a conviction that wasn't just mere words, uh, but it was, you're, you're listening to my preaching and it's, and it's empowered. There's a power being released because you know what kind of life I've lived. And that's what you're saying there. You, you, yeah. you, you can preach with power about generosity because you know, it's like, there's nothing in the back of your mind saying like, I, I should have given last week when the Lord told me to, and I didn't, you know, so and that kind of, you know, then, then we're under conviction rather than being able to preach with conviction. Absolutely. And, and, and actually, even what the people don't know, God knows. Mm-hmm. So, so I might uh, be preaching on forgiveness. And I don't tell the, the illustrations. Uh, I don't tell of the deepest betrayals I've, I've been through that people that I poured my whole life into then turned around. And, and I was then later on when they were in their deepest trouble God and, and the path that God led me to forgiving them and really releasing them and being, and, and, and people don't know the people don't know the people don't know how much we give. If we really forgive, if we're preaching on worship, what type of worshipers we are preaching on prayer, we're preaching on, but, but, but God knows and he will put his authority, his anointing his conviction on the hearts on the men and women who are, who are practicing that. That's why sometimes, we, that's why some of the simplest messages, but, and, and on, on the pure homiletics point of view, you look at it and you say, man, how, how come so much fruit? How come, so, how, come, how come there's so much? You know, people used to watch Billy Graham messages and say, well, I can do that. Well, obviously there was, there was something so, so 
so right uh, in, in, in his own life and heart that in conviction his own that God God would put his anointing on uh, his conviction anointing on him. obviously different callings and and we and we each are we're, none of us should compare ourselves with anybody and we're just uh, to be faithful with the measure we were given but I think there's a great sense of confidence that God is going to put his anointing Lam, your dad in the early years when I was an interpreter one, uh, one night uh, st being stuck somewhere um, would tell me that he he spent a lot of time praying, even just about the all the call, the altar call. That and he and he said in his wry humor that he had, he 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 said sometimes through the message, I don't even know so much if I did so well, but I'm I'm believing that I, I'm gonna I'm gonna at, at the altar time and put your faith and that God is gonna use. And, and I've seen the Lord use your dad that way. The message was fine, was excellent, but there was something happening in the conviction in people's heart. And that's the seal of God even on our, you're right, people that, that see us live, but God sees us live. Yeah. Now, for pastors that are in one place for a long time, it's an amazing challenge to say, I've been, I've been 27 years in the same church. So there are challenges to that. A lot of new people come in, but I've been pre some of these people have been hearing me a long time. Mm. But there's also the benefit they've also seen me live for a long time. Mm. So they I've lived through some stuff and they they I think there is, I think your your interpretation of the passage you were mentioning is right. I think people also say I I we're also convinced because what you're preaching is a conviction you lived out yourself. Mm. Yeah. And that, that the idea of what kind of we saw what kind of man you were among us. That's that 27 years I'm seeing you do that. that and then, and, then uh, and I think you have the same heart that, you know, as, as you read on Thessalonians, he, at one point he talks about, uh, you know, and you said this earlier, not, you know, not to please man. And then he goes on to say, uh, we were gentle like a nursing mother. And then a few verses later in verse 11, he says, and we were like a father with his children. It's like, is he a mother? Yeah, that, or father? He's, he's everything. Yeah, you know, just, yeah that passage in Thessalonians, I, I, I love thoroughly. His description, I didn't use Gaila. He's got four or five amazing things, mm -hmm. but that were so, that were so uh, counterculture. I mean, this is Paul, for, former Pharisee. You, you, we read uh, the writings of historians of that time showing any type of emotion was completely, and he's speaking to them. It, they were almost embarrassed. He says, I, I tended to you like a, a, a nurse with a baby. Right. And then he says, I was like a father to, I was a father to you. Uh, and Paul will say even, you have a lot of teachers, but you have few fathers. Yeah. So, so, so the way he speaks to them is so, yeah, you're right. It's life among them uh, because we, we know from scriptures and that Paul probably wasn't even the greatest oratory Right. Uh, because he, he's he, he's heard by that he says they, they say of him ah, he's not impressive in speech but there was something about his life that brought some amazing conviction yeah. yeah that's a great passage in Thessalonians oh, I love what you're saying there about conviction and, and confidence the the other word that that really uh, you know I almost wanted to stop your talk when I when I heard that just in a good way like just to to, to consider that like the, the idea of trembling it's not something it's not a word you hear very often whether in Bible school or uh, books or uh, sermons. Um, and yet it's it, the way you said it kind of struck me like that. That's really important. Uh, trembling at his word and kind of trembling when you come to the pulpit, you kind of alluded to that a little bit earlier. You know, every time you come to the pulpit, you're, you, you have that sense of, uh, it's not anxiety, but it's like, you know, you want this to be a holy right. moment. And there's a, there's a, there's a stirring in your heart about it. Uh, speak to us about that a little more, if you will, yeah. Yeah, trembling. 
Yeah, I would say uh, offhand, I, w- I want to make a, a clarification. To me, the the trembling of the word is not a. Um, it, it has many faces. Um, it, the, there's some personalities. I'm I'm a emotional person and I'm a intense emotional outward person in my preaching. That's not the only face of trembling in the word. You could be more of a teacher. You could be more, but it's a sense that there's some dynamics that, that related to that. To me, the, the, maybe just some kingdom dynamics about trembling of the word, um, a dynamic of seriousness, uh, um, in the secret place about preaching. I'm trembling about the responsibility, uh, to, uh, to do it. Like, um, I know Warren Buffett said, said at a quote recently that I, I like, he said, um, when the tide goes out, you see who was swimming naked. <laughs> uh, you know, he was talking about finances and different things. And, uh, but um, there's a, there's a day coming where, where for all of us that the tide will go out mm-hmm. and we'll be standing before God. The Bible version of that is you're going to be in the scale and you've been found light. So there's a reason why the Bible says to, to preachers, uh, uh, there's actually a warning, don't be too hasty to take the responsibility to teach because you'll, you'll answer uh, before God. So to me, that's a sense, and it's not in condemnation, it's not a, but it's a sense of the responsibility, a dynamic of, of, of seriousness, a dynamic of, of sobriety with the word of God. This is, this is, I'll get an answer to that. You can almost say it's a dynamic of the seat of Christ where Jesus says every word will be, will give account for. So of course, I'm not talking about earning and losing salvation, but I'm speaking as a, the man of God, the communicator, there's, there's a, a dynamic of seriousness. There's also a dynamic of, uh, for me, the trembling of the word is a dynamic of, of spiritual sight and sensitivity. The idea of saying, Lord, I, I, let 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 me let me see. I tremble at your word because I I, I want to see people as you see them. Um, I want to have the sensitivity of your heart for them. To me, it's possible for us to walk on the pulpit, and all we're seeing is our message, our notes, our thing. What I'm going to say, what's what's coming next, what, and you actually like Peter and John. How many times did they go up to the, the hour of prayer until? going over the lame man without even seeing him. And then look at me, uh, spiritual sight, sensitivity. Um, Paul seeing the man's faith. Uh, so, so I tremble at the word and say, Lord, let, let, let that word, let, 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 let me through your word, when I'm giving this word, let me, let me be sensitive to the Holy Spirit sensitivity. Uh, I think there's a, a dynamic if we, if we really believe it. There's a dynamic of sin, the satanic, and salvation. Mm-hmm. Wow, <clears throat> that, that, that will. Uh... If, if if people are really, if people are really lost without Christ to be to to, and and, and if we are really in a battle with the, the thief, that murderer who kills and destroys and. When I'm coming up to preach, it doesn't mean I don't, I don't have humor in my preaching. It doesn't mean, but there's a, there's a flippancy and there's a, there's a, a lot of that that has to fade away. Uh, there's some things God, God allowed me through the years to go through. Early years, even recently, I've preached thousands of times. So, But there's quite a few times, more than, than on two hands, 
that I preached, and within hours after I preached, the people, I, I didn't know it, they didn't know it, but the people died. Like, they, they went out of the church, there was a car accident. Mm-hmm. I, I, I remember a police officer who, who came to Sunday morning, went on his ship, and was shot and died. Mm-hmm. I, there was a young man in my early years, one, within the first five years of preaching, uh, maybe 50 people that night. Uh, there was a smaller church that had an evening service. The pastor couldn't go. Call me in the afternoon and say, could you take it over tonight? Sure. I show up. And there was a young man there who had known me years before. And he was co- totally backslidden. Uh, uh, but he, because he knew me, said, I'm going to go listen to Claude. So he came, sat in the back. and been in church in the longest time. And at the end of the message, less than 50 people there. And I preached my heart out. At the end of the message, I knew they were all Christians. I didn't recognize them. I don't remember, didn't remember. But I really felt a call to, to make a call for salvation. He comes up. I, I pray with him. And he repentance. And he was so touched. And so he comes to see me after. And he says, you know, Claude, I want to, I'm back with God tonight. He said, I'm going to live for God. I wanted you to know I'm really back with the Lord. So I pray with him again. And, and, and got in his car, drove. And within 20 minutes, a semi trailer truck hit him and he died. So, so, so the whole concept of between the living and the dead, preaching as a dying man to a dying man, all these things are, are, are real to me, no matter where, whether, whether I'm in a COVID room empty, like I'm doing now preaching to in the camera or, or wherever I am. And, and I, I, I do believe in that dynamic where I say, Lord, give, give me a sense of eternity, um, a, a dynamic also of the su- supernatural. I, I tremble at the word because I believe that the word of God only can transform the heart. And, and, and as I go in 30, 36 years of preaching, the society we're in, especially all around the world, but here in the province of Quebec, you know the, 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 the culture, Gary. Um, the, the, the culture is so anti-Christ, mm-hmm. so completely against the, the, the notion of you are being sinful and you need forgiveness and, 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 and even the, the very existence of God and everything else that I tremble at the word because I say, Lord, unless you supernaturally anoint this, nobody changes. Right. Nobody gets right. saved. Nobody it becomes, a, people can be touched in their emotions. People can be, they're in, they're in trouble. They come in, there's a great speaker and he's emotional. He's got great illustrations and he comes and tugs at the, at the strings of their heart. So they, they, they shed a tear or they do a prayer, but that's not salvation. That's not repentance. That's not, dying to your old ways and walking in sanctification. All of the supernatural, all of the things that need to happen in the human heart have to, have to be done supernaturally. So that's why I tremble. I tremble at the word that gets, so that God, only you, God, can give life to this word supernatural and transform our human heart. Wow, wow. I, I kind of, you know, when you were preaching that in the, in the talk you gave for us, um, yeah, I, like I said, I, I paused there because it's like, yeah, I, I, you know, I have to have that. I, I can't, I can't just go on clever, like my, you know, I want a good outline and I want good illustrations, but, but I, you know, there's has to be something. It's, it's, it's not just a good Ted talk. There has to be something dynamic that's more than that. And that's, that's that, that, you know, the reverence and the, the, you know, the holiness, the kavad, the, the, the waiting on God for his presence to come in your preparation, in your heart, in your presentation. And then in the, in the afterglow, the, the, the what the call of God does on, people's lives. I, I think that's, 
that's the most, you know, I think this, what you're saying right now is, I love what you said before, but it's so helpful. I, there's a few more questions that can be helpful. This is a big takeaway for me. And I think for our listening audience, this is like, and then if we can grasp this, we, you know, we, we, we can still, like I said, we can still tell, you know, have humorous stories and anecdotes and, and uh, you know, make people feel joy. Uh, but, but at some point there has to be this sense of, you know, uh, God is in the room and, and, he, and he's holy and that changes his things and changes lives. So thank you for sharing that. And, and allowing the, uh, oftentimes I tremble at the word as I'm preaching it because I trembled at it in my own life first. Hmm. Like the, the, uh, this, we might be talking more about practical ways of preparing uh, later on if you want, if you want, if we have time. But for me, separating very clearly between studying for messages and my own, but, but, um, oftentimes when I, when I'm, before I preach it to others, it actually, it, it actually, uh, ravaged me. <laughs> the word, like, I, I don't just go, go through the message and the outlines or whatever. The message went through me and, and it brought me to tears and it, and it shook me and it caused me to repent and it caused me to, and I'm speaking, having been, if you haven't trembled at your message yourself, it's very hard for me to, to see how the, the preaching of it is going to bring that, that. So, so to me, it's, it, it's that the word making me tremble, making me tremble, making me, uh, and then communicating uh, from, from what, what happened to, uh, to me. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's a big difference between a congregant walking out of a church saying like, wow, you know, I, I kind of feel more confident I might be able to buy that new house that I've been wanting. I'm, I'm going to, you know, and kind of sort of lighthearted and hopeful about materialism and, and leaving that church with that sense of man, God spoke to me today. He, he something's turning in my heart. And so I'm going to remember something about today. And that's, that's what you're talking about. It's, it's so, so, so cool. And so important. We've also, we've also experienced it. We, we, we've been in so many services or where, where at the end we were interested. We thought, man, that was, uh, I was, I was clever. That was great. I was, oh, good point. And preachers always, we always were sponges. We just, just take it all in to preach somewhere else sometimes or, but we've also been, whether we're watching a message on, online or reading uh, the word ourselves or being, I mean, again, not wanting to um, in any way flatter, or, but, but I've been times where I was interpreting for your father. And a, a few times I remember from English to French, I remember a few times in my younger years, I remember one time where I couldn't even continue interpreting because I was under conviction. So, and that night made a difference in my life that, that build an altar following that message. Mm -hmm. So the, the, uh, when we, when we traveled together recent in recent years and me and you are, are, are with Nikki Cruz and we, we watched Nikki and, and well, something supernatural had to happen to him. Somebody trembled at the word and brought a word to him right. that so transformed him that he's 50 years later and he's trembling at the word and speaking with, with that fire and that passion. Well, he doesn't remember the cleverness of an outline or, or, or did I, did you feel, did you feel motivated or did you feel a more, he, there was a moment, there was something supernatural that took place. And to me, that's trembling at the word uh, is that seeking of Lord, unless you breathe life into this, uh, and use it to transform life. Uh, a lot of it, like as I mentioned in, uh, on the on the podcast, 
to me that the rest of it could be just waving our arms around and a lot of noise and talk at shadow boxing. You think you're, you're hitting, you think you'd be pretty hot stuff, but you're not hitting anything. Yeah. I think the most frustrating thing about what we're talking about here right now is, is how to impart that to a younger preacher or a, or a preacher who has gotten stale or cold or lukewarm or fed up or depressed or living in unforgiveness, you know, just how, how do you move that man, that woman from that place of, of, uh, you know, no longer trembling at his word, no longer wanting to see the, the depths of God's power demonstrate, you know, and the, the only thing I can say is, you know, the, you know, it's just, if, if, if you listen to what Claude's saying, then you, you get, you get desperate for it and you, you, you come to it in a different place. Maybe it's, you know, I think you mentioned in your talk too, if you're repentance, it's like, Lord, I don't, you know, sometimes there's repentance involved and sometimes there's faith involved. But, uh, you know, we've been studying a couple me, me and a couple of my staff members have been studying, um, A.W. Tozer's book about the knowledge of the Holy. And it's, it's about the attributes of God. And the, the premise of the whole book basically is there's such a low view of God you know, we, we, we trivialize him and we, we, we see him as ourselves. Like he's, you know, he, he's kind, like we're kind and he's smart, like we're smart. He's wise, like, you know, and so we, we humanize him and, and we belittle him. And therefore when we get to the pulpit, we, we can only preach a low view of God. We can't preach him as Isaiah could after he was, you know, Isaiah five, he's, he's a pretty sharp preacher already. He sees, you know, I think it's five or six woes. He, so he's, he's culturally aware he's preaching against stuff. But in Isaiah 6, he goes, wait a minute, woe is me. You know, I'm the one who's undone. And I think there has to come a time, you know, we, we can't, what you're talking about there, and not just what you're talking about, the way you're talking about it with, with tears, you, you can't teach that. You know, I don't think you can. Maybe, maybe you could help me. But, I, you know, I think that has to come from a holy moment with God. You get alone with God and you get desperate. You get on your knees, maybe not just once, but every time you prepare a sermon, you, you know, it's like more and more as I get older, half my sermon preparation is, is stopping in awe, you know, the, uh, and, and sometimes actually getting on my knees and just saying, God, I am not, you know, Paul, what did Paul say? Uh, competent, you know, he's not uh, in his own self. So, so, you know, I get down on my knees and just say, this word is too overwhelming for me. And to think that I could interpret it and then actually proclaim it to others without your presence, you know, that, and I think that's part of trembling and, and what you're saying is, is, is so I'm saying you can't get it. And we're running a little on time. I know you got some other meetings to go to here, so we'll try to squeeze as much in as we can here in the next few I'm minutes. Um, and I know I, I just said that's something you can't learn from man, but I want to do a real quick 180 and say, what have you learned from other? Is there one or two preachers in your life that are, have been mentors to you? And if so, what, if, what would you say is the biggest takeaway that you've learned from them? Yeah, I, I, I love the idea of, uh, of mentoring and, 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 over the years, uh, over the years, I, I've um, I've realized that, that there's different levels of mentors we can have in our life. Because, um, like we 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 need many types of mentors in our lives. So I, there's many mentors that really have affected my preaching, and 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 some of them I've actually met, and many I haven't. So the idea is, you know. Mentors as many levels. Let me explain what I mean. Um, we need Peters and Apollos in our life. Like he stood on Peter in all of his weakness and in all his humanity, stood on Pentecost Day and kaboom, he says, he's the man who's the shadow heals the sick. He just, and he's so human, but uh, Apollos, mighty in scripture. So, so there's men that don't know I exist that really 
mentored me. Spurgeon really affected me in my outline and in the way I, there's men that came and preached when I was in Bible school. There was a man named Jerry Kaufman from the Bronx, New York, love gospel. Some of your viewers will remember he's passed on to be with the Lord. Now he doesn't know who I am, but he would come every year and, and, and that man spoke and, and everything about him just connected with me and, and, and taught me so much. Um, from, from Spurgeon to, to T.D. Jakes, I'm a French, a white French guy in Montreal, and T.D. Jakes doesn't know I exist. But, and his style, everything, his context is so different than mine. But he is a mentor to me in so many ways. He's, he's affected me deeply. And here's a man in New York City, Tim Keller, who, again, doesn't know I exist, uh, is a thousand times smarter than me. I, when I read his stuff or listen to him, I feel um, this is the way I wish I could say it because this is so articulate. And so, so I think we need those. We need to look at those mentors. We also need spiritual fathers. We need Paul, so Timothy, spiritual fathers. That, uh, um, that, that will correct us, that would help us if we have the humility to. Um, one time after I preached in the early years in New York if I, at uh, Times Square Church, your dad was taking me out there, is the re restaurant we always went together. And on the way up, he, he told me something in my preaching that he felt uh, something I picked up. And it was rooted in insecurity. And it was so, and, and so fathers that care enough to say, I have a friend, and I'm not, not giving you any details, but I have a younger friend that um, I meet regularly that recently, I, I, I've been thinking about it for six months. I sat down because I was watching his preaching, and I said things to him, and I think I was acting fatherly. So, so, so you need Peter's, you need Paul's father. You also need Timothy's. I think one thing, having sons in the faith that you're pouring into sharpens us. Mm -hmm. Uh, it, it you, you, I'm developing young men, but it's keeping me, and it's and they have a different perspective, different generation, and so you, you need you need you need giants from afar that are such a blessing. You need sons, fathers, and and we need contemporaries, friends that are close enough and love us and care for us enough to say, hey, brother, I, um, something happening. I. I I, I have friends that I've had, I mean, you're one of them, but I have friends that I have for years that I feel, and they have, that sometimes they'll close the door. And I'll tell you an example, Year, some years back, we were having some seasons of, of, of struggling um, with our son. And, and I didn't realize that I was never mentioning him in my preaching, but there was a, a, a brokenness in me and, and a sense of, and I would come, and it just, it, there was a, it stole joy from my preaching. It stole a certain lightness and faith. And, and a friend of mine took me aside and said, hey, man, I love you. You know that. But, but we have a relationship. And said, is it possible that? And look at the, your last messages. And your last, and, and, and it really, it, it totally impacted me. Said, You're right. You're just, so, so mentors can take many forms. It's not just somebody who takes us by the hand. I get a lot of people writing me and say, can you be my, my mentor? Which I can't. I can't be mentors too. But they, they, they um, I, I believe mentors could take these many forms and many, and, and if we go, look outside also of our scope, we can have mentors that impact us deeply that on some issues have a difference in theology. I, one thing that I've rejected from past ways of thinking is a certain denominational isolation and, and elitism. 
unless it's in our movement, our preach, our exact theology on everything, I'm not listening. No, there's, there's men and women of God that on certain subjects that are peripheral have different opinions, different styles than me completely that I can be mentored by and learn deep, 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 uh, deeply from. The other, the other thing I would say is that a mentor doesn't need to be somebody that's bigger than you. We often have a, a sense of measure, unless he has a bigger church, bigger ministry, bigger budget, better influence. What would I listen to? Some of the faithful pastors, and when we, when we travel together around the world, we meet pastors that never been on the cover of an, any magazine, and they're not known, but you get close to them, and you just, over, they, they, can, they can mentor you, they can show you so much, they, they can teach you correct teach, inspire so much in you by their faithfulness, by, 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 by something in them. So, so to me, that's the different sources of, of mentoring that can really impact our lives. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. I, I bet there's a lot of people listening that says, Oh, I was just about ready to call Claude and ask him to be my mentor. And now <laughs> I I, hey, Claude, I've kept you for an hour here now. And, uh, um, I don't. Hey, why don't we do this? Um, if you'll let me, maybe two, three weeks from now or a month from now, I'll call you again, and let's get into some of the practical stuff because uh, you're really good at the teaching. Not only, I mean, you moved my heart today, and I know everybody's listening and been moved by, you know, the conviction and the confidence and trembling at God's word. Uh, you know, just loving people the way you talked about that. Um, but I'd love to talk to you more about like sort of how do you prepare for your sermons? How do you outline um, some 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 uh, some insight you might help us with uh, in the delivery of the message. Can we, can we do another? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, I, I am sorry. I went long on my answers. Uh, there's no, a lot no, of stuff no, we, we want to cover. I, I'd love to get into, let's give an hour to uh, the, all, all the preparation and all the uh, delivering and everything else of preaching okay. the, the not the mechanics, but the all about, so that that's a passion of mine. So I would love yeah. to do it. Yeah. We could take a whole nother, another 45 minutes to an hour. If that's okay with you, we'll, and we'll get into the nitty gritty of, uh, you know, because you know God wants us to be skillful that we what, what we do. You know, let 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 him, let him who prophesies prophesy with faith. You know, and and sometimes uh, you know we have more faith when we've been trained, and so that, that that you can help us be trained more. Well, thanks thanks Claude so much for today. It's been been brilliant, and we look forward to getting this this out to people. And I know it's going to be a blessing to them, and we'll keep. Thank you, Gary. You're welcome. It's a joy for me. It's a privilege for me. Thank you, Claude Oud, for sharing your heart of preaching with passion with us. Claude will be joining us at pastors' conferences. We have one next year at Times Square Church in New York City in August, even before that in February in San Diego, California. If you're a pastor or Christian leader, we want to invite you to attend. Also, um, you may want to be praying for this. We believe that your prayers can help turn the tide in America of the spiritual declension and we can see a great move of God. Uh, this, this episode was dear to my heart as uh, I believe it's important that we have pulpits that preach with this passion. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in the mission of World Challenge. Thank you for listening and supporting. World Challenge transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. Visit us online at worldchallenge.org.